Hello, welcome back to the National Association for Primary Education podcast. My name is Mark Taylor. I'm the Vice Chair of NAEP. And today I'm delighted to be chatting to Rob Hattersley. And he's from 360 Skills for Life. Now, one of the things which is very important to NAEP is this sense of a child-first, a child-centred education. And that goes far beyond just what is deemed to be important from a, a statistical point of view or SATs or in terms of what schools believe that to be but that kind of whole idea of what it's important for children in the round what is the sorts of things that they need to learn today to enjoy their life today to be fulfilled today and then also that preparation into the future so Rob thank you so much for being here hi there thanks for having me so tell us what exactly is 360 skills for life and, and how are you involved in it um yeah well uh, it's great to do this on the Monday after Sats week actually because um our strap line is prepared for life not just exams um, we feel that children and generally the education system are leaving schools not too well prepared for real life. And this is absolutely no reflection at all on teachers. It's a reflection on the system. Um, so we've been set up to help uh, support teachers to deliver uh, skills like financial education, safety, um, sort of careers, bit, a, bit of, a bit of careers education. And all, all the sorts of things that aren't on the syllabus particularly or aren't particularly emphasised on the syllabus and aren't in the SATs and aren't in, in, in GCSEs but are absolutely essential for living a good life. Um, and and, and my, my big thing is children reaching their potential because I sometimes think we squash all the potential out of them. And that's, that's kind of, that's my, that's where I come from. I'm an ex-deputy head in a primary school. Um, got nearly 30 years experience now, frighteningly. Um, <laughs> all, all included, um, and, and, and that's where it came from. And um, the, the the idea for three city schools for life is essentially that uh, we have a virtual reality learning environment, which is designed for school screens, not headsets. Um, I'll explain why that's the decision we've made later on. Perhaps um, this grew out of uh, a, a visit experience that some of your listeners will probably have had, either as children or as teachers, where you take them to a a warehouse in the middle of a city. Um, and inside this warehouse is a fully built street layout, a street scene with full-size houses and streets and cars and buses and shops. And these are called safety centres. Uh, the first one was Milton Keynes, in, opened in 96, I think it was, and then Safewise, which is the one I ran for three years here in Dorset, opened in 98. And the idea was to uh, children visited as part of a year six group, and they would be taught things like road safety, fire safety, personal safety, all different sorts of life skill issues in a really practical, hands-on environment where they could actually practice crossing the road and get it wrong and learn how they got it wrong. They could um, they, they went shopping in a cooperative store and learned about budgeting. They learned how to escape from a fire. Um, they chose safe routes home, you know, deciding whether an alleyway was the best route or whether a will it street was the best route. These are all really practical skills. Um, the, 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 the physical visit model for us has proved challenging with COVID because schools are not doing school trips anymore and in any case none of these centres um, reach anything like the number of children that need that experience so what we've done post-COVID is we've had NHS funding to set up a virtual safety centre as it were um, and our first module is on safeguarding and particularly around transition from year six uh, into secondary school so that's where we've come from. And I think like you said, the, the practicality of, of getting this available for, for every child, which I guess is essentially what we want to do as much as possible. We want every child to have the opportunity to, to learn these skills. And and of course, you know, it's second nature now, the kind of, like you say, using a device and kind of 
in that sort of environment and wanting to explore and learn these things so it's it must be a very sort of natural idea for to, to make it kind of really um appeal to that sort of people yeah because they can we've had comments from children using it last week actually that they like the fact that that they get given dilemmas and missions to complete within this virtual environment but then they can just wander around they can cross the road and go to the park they can go and have a look at the school up the road it's, it's a free roam environment um but we've slotted in some safeguarding dilemmas where um the, the user is presented with a, this is the situation, are you going to do this, this or this? So we're not telling them anything, they're thinking it through and by the, with the teacher using our teaching plans uh, to, to encourage discussion and critical thinking, the children are learning to think for themselves and make decisions. Um, but it's, it's very engaging because it's, it's, it's quite a realistic, it's a gamified environment, but it's kind of quite a realistic gamified environment, if that makes sense. Um, it's fun, it's exploratory. As I say, there are no right answers. The teacher can use this um, in quite a directed way or they can allow groups to use it in quite an unstructured way um, and get them to report back to the class on what, on what they've learned. So it's um, and the great thing about it is you don't need to organise a school trip, you don't need to book a coach, you know, it's just there in your classroom. And what we're doing now is creating uh, schemes of work so that teachers can use this across the whole year. It's not a one-off, let's do safeguarding, let's do road safety. They can, cover the, they can do it over the whole school year. Um, with regard to the end of the year now, I was, I was just going to say while I'm thinking about it that um, it is the end of the academic year now, but particularly in year six classes, I remember as a year six teacher, after SATs, there's lots you can do, uh, but not so much you have to do because the, the SATs are kind of quite a significant part of year six. Um, we may have our own views on how useful that is for real life. Um, but those six weeks can be really positively used and our platform is something that if I was a teacher in class now, I would definitely be using for six weeks to um, to teach some children some really important uh, issues around mental health and uh, personal safety and decision making and risk uh, that will put them in really good stead for their transition up to up to secondary school. So there's a, there's a lot they could do in, in five or six weeks. And I think that's interesting, isn't it, from the transition point of view, because it's not just about how am I going to feel on my first day at school? it's it's about you know i've got to get to school i've got to to re relate in a different way there's suddenly this whole different group of people you know how am i feeling about it how am i feeling about it now um and i always think certainly with someone who's got a, a musical background i know that sense of being nervous in <laughs> that sense of of, of of an oncoming something which is going to be playing on my mind um and it's it's just sort of having the sense of the normality of it and the re, uh, relating it to everybody else and and, and those practical steps so, so just talk, talk us through sort of how what you're able to offer can sort of help in those very different sort of situations yeah um I mean, it's the topics we've covered. Topics we're covering. We were NHS funded, so this has been capital funded by NHS, by the NHS, and um, they've asked us to cover these six topics. So we we're not safeguarding experts ourselves, but we have consulted with the experts. We're, we're teachers. We're a group of teachers. Um, so the topics we're covering are mental and physical well-being, personal safety in terms of choosing, for example, safe routes home, uh, drugs, alcohol, and tobacco, what to do in an emergency. Um, safety, particularly online and online bullying and that sort of issues, that sort of issue, um, and then safety of family and friends taking responsibility for others. And the the big thing when you, uh, when eleven year olds go to secondary school and different parts of the country occasionally have different transition times. I was actually I actually experienced the middle school structure as a child, so I've got a slightly different experience of it. Um, but is that suddenly you, you go from quite a controlled environment where your parents are at home probably when you get, well, not always, but quite often at home when you get home and 
very much directed time at school to suddenly having quite a lot of freedom at school or more freedom than you had and then being expected to go to school on your own and possibly being at home quite a bit even more so for children of all backgrounds um, when they're at home so there's a lot more independence and some of these issues suddenly an 11 year old 12 year old will suddenly be faced with situations where they think my, my parents or my carers or my adult is not around what what am I doing these what do I do help um, so what we've done is provide a, Realistic dilemmas of, of situations that could occur in September, potentially, to these children that are going up next this year, what would they do? And rather than telling them, this is what you must do in that circumstance, we're helping to develop their critical thinking so that they think through logically, what is the risk? How can I get help? Is this, this, is this okay? Is it not okay? Um, and the reason for that is, you know, as teachers, we know that if you tell a child in a particular circumstance, do that. Even if they follow that rule, there'll be a circumstance where it's not quite the same situation. And sometimes following the rule can be dangerous. They actually need to think for themselves out of the box. So if we teach them to risk assess, rather than if that happens, always do that, they'll actually be a lot safer. And that's that's the fundamental sort of philosophy behind what we're doing. We teach them to think for themselves and get them to come up with the answers. And I always think that anything that we can do as as parents, as teachers, as people that are educating children is you want that that safe, soft landing, don't you, when mistakes happen. Mm. And and I can I can really understand that sort of having these scenarios, having these opportunities to make mistakes, and then, you know, in hindsight, you know, looking at actually yeah I, I i really understood that maybe i was 50 50 mm. i didn't know and now i've had the chance to learn from that and next time i would definitely know which way to go so also that kind of i have no idea and i'm really glad i've managed to experience it now before it may have been like i say a much more um much more serious situation yeah um, and it's, it's interesting with how we i found it a fascinating journey because when we started doing this the virtual reality element of this having grown out of the physical safety center that we ran before um when you start talking to various providers, um, a lot of them think that if you show the child the horrific potential, and you actually show them the ending, show this is the awful thing that could happen, and almost shock, basically shock tactics. There's an assumption if you tell a child that's going to happen, they'll think, oh well, I won't, I won't do it then. But actually, what tends to happen is um, they think that that isn't always going to. Um, that that a, a it won't happen. It's gamified. It's, it's all pretend. It's not going to happen. Or that that will always happen. And either way, that's not real, because in real life, different things happen. So one of the things that we've built into this is that the, the, the child goes through a various set of questions. Are, are you going to do this, this or this? Uh, for example, they, they go home and their older sibling is lying on the floor, semi-unconscious. What, what's, what's going on? Um, this could happen to a 12-year-old in September. And they don't know whether it's, they're ill or they, there's, a, there's a drugs issue or an alcohol issue. What, what is it? Or they're just sleeping. You know, they're just asleep. It's a perfectly innocent explanation. Um, they get guided through a set of questions. and At the end of it, instead of showing them, oh, this happened, the screen just goes blank and it says, how did that go? And we've, we actually, with some of the providers, that we, we went with a provider that was very educationally focused because they got what we were trying to do. It's quite a lot of people say, well, why, do you, why aren't you showing them the ending? Why aren't, you, why aren't you telling them what happens? And it's because we want them to think for themselves um, and think, did I make the right decision? And at that point, you might the child might say actually do you know I don't think I did make the right decision there can we do it again and unlike in real life where you can't undo the damage you've done in real life and think you know you have to just make make make, good, make the best of it you can go back start the same dilemma again choose different options and work out and then oh that was that was a different outcome sometimes it doesn't change the outcome 
but you can think it through. The first thing is children find this really motivating and exciting because it's not, it's like a, I don't know that you're old, you're old enough, but I remember Choose Your Own Adventure sort of reading books. It was great fun having diff completely different outcomes to different situations. It really motivates the children. But really importantly, they can try it out, as you said, in a safe environment. And uh, it's okay to get it wrong. It's okay to experiment. Actually, it's a good thing because you're trying it out and working it out. But then let's, uh, the main thing about making mistakes is what, uh, what can I learn from it? Getting it wrong is fine, but can I do it better? And if they have two or three goes at this, when they then come to a real situation, they're going to feel a lot more confident about dealing with it and getting help. Yeah, and I, and I certainly had that that sort of feeling personally when I was sort of going on sort of first aid courses and that kind of thing. You you, you want to have that instruction. You want to understand what it is, but it's only then when you sort of have to step into the breach, as it were, and actually mm -hmm. do it yourself that you think, oh, yeah, I remember I thought I had to do this and actually I, need, I had to do Y instead kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But like you say, it's it's that lead time. It is that training. And I think the the the, the idea of the, of the critical thinking is the most important thing mm -hmm. because despite any of the scenarios and the situations you're talking about, that's not what children are used to doing. They're, they're not often wanting to stick their head above the parapet or have to make a decision. They don't want to get it wrong. They, they, they want to kind of be right and, and, and doing everything okay. And so I think just breaching these sort of ideas and changing that sort of idea of what school's about for your own well-being and for your own situation to then help you go forward i think it's um it's an incredible opportunity for everybody mm. yeah absolutely uh, and you took you touched there on just raising awareness and one of the other things we're keen to do is a lot of the time that there may be children in in situations that they shouldn't be in experiencing things they shouldn't be experiencing but the child doesn't realize it's not right doesn't realize that that's not acceptable and so one of the uh, one of the really strong things we wanted to do was help teachers. And these these are very tricky situations to have conversations about in class, but give teachers some guidance from experts, and also a really exciting environment to try this out in, where you can bring those discussions up in a non in a non judgmental way, and, and actually in a very you know children are not we don't at any point encourage children to share personal stories at all. That's not part of it. These the whole point of this is it's. These are fictional circumstances. These are what if this happened? What if that happened? By raising those that awareness, children will be better equipped to protect themselves and to protect family or friends who are also in those environments or, or situations and, be able, and actually be able to get help. Um, and that whole uh, raising awareness issue is really important. Um, one of the things that um, we're really sort of we're really passionate about is the idea that. Schools and local authorities and multi-academy trusts and everybody in education is working really hard to improve safeguarding process um, and even positionally in you know, a transition process actually as well, but particularly the safeguarding. But uh, for me, there's a whole area in the classroom where we're missing a trick because if we could put safeguarding into the classroom, particularly at year, six, year five and six, um, that supports the statutory safeguarding process uh, through curriculum-led activity, and that's what we're not really doing. I mean, some individual teachers are doing fantastic work, but that's not really part of what we're doing. We don't we don't deal with it in a consistent in a consistent way. And as, as we've mentioned, transition to secondary school and that that greater independence, which is a good thing, but also is a risk, is something we haven't really. Personally, I don't feel, and I've, I've sent quite a few years sixes away to secondary school. Looking back on it. Um, I think we could do even better in terms of how prepared they are for real life. And by the way, real life doesn't start at 18 or 21. It's it's now, you know, 
It's all the issues that they are going to face in their real lives now at school. This isn't about school being a preparation and suddenly you flick a switch and everyone's grown up and has to deal with issues. Children are dealing with, uh, we all know as teachers, children are dealing with some really difficult, very much adult issues, whether they're a carer or dealing with abuse or dealing with a difficult situation at home right now from, you know, from a very young age. So we need to get them, we need to work on that. And one of my frustrations as an educator is, as a teacher, I was always doing stuff that I thought, this is quite important, but it's not as important as that. These kids need this. Um, and every teacher I speak to says that, 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 you know, they know what the child needs and what they're being pressured to do is important, but it's not as important as that. You can't teach a child to to read and do the 12 and a half times table until they've, they've learned to, to speak. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not sensible. So absolutely. And, and and also, I think what you said there is that kind of ongoing training and, and having it in the rounds and, and understanding how you can make it part and parcel of what you're doing all the time. Because mm. as you just said there, you know, we're we need to meet children where they are. Yeah. Um, and that's incredibly important for those people that are struggling, but also just an understanding of how you learn and, and you know, there's a bigger philosophy question there in terms of how you live your life generally, which obviously helps well-being and, and, and all that sort of thing as well. Um, but I think just just that sense of of it being, you can't, like I said, you can't teach maths and English if that is indeed what you think you're meant to be doing at this hour of this particular day. If this child hasn't eaten today or this child hasn't been able to um, look after themselves or they've struggled to get into school or whatever that happens to be, and like I say, if you could actually help that in some way, but you feel like your hands are, are tied because of what you're perceived to have to do in a certain way, this gives you a way of being able to embed that and have these ongoing conversations. And and I guess it kind of sort of breaks it breaks it out from it has to be a, a personal conversation to that kind of where we've got ongoing support and there there are ongoing conversations which can then be sort of broached in a in, in a wider context as well. Yeah, it's very much a collective thing. As I said, this is not about... I mean, I, I suspect, and we'll get feedback from teachers, there may be disclosures as part of this programme because they're talking about some difficult difficult and tricky issues. That's not the aim of it. The aim is to raise awareness. But it's it's a, it's very much a collective class endeavour programme. Um, it, it works with small groups. It probably works one-to-one, actually, but it's designed for whole classes. Yeah, raising 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 awareness of issues as much as anything for children to think I'm not on my own. This is not odd that I feel like this. I'm not, you know, other people feel the same way. Here are a few tips as to how you might make a decision or try to get help, making them feel, um, making them feel okay, making them feel that they're in they're in this with other people. Um, and I, you know, we, we've all had situations with children where there's a they will not do what we, they won't do parents as well possibly. They won't do what you want them to do. They're not listening. They're not learning that academic skill the, the test next week and they're still they're just not paying and sometimes you think look and I can think of several children I've taught in the past where you said you, you take them away and say look what, what's the matter what, what's going on it, this is not to do with school is it and they say no it's not never it's never that easy by the way it takes ages yeah, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying it for, for effect um you, you have the conversation with them and you realize that there's a bigger issue and sometimes with the child it's just that once they know that you know they almost don't need to talk about it anymore. I mean, it's good if they do, but they don't have to. Suddenly, the behaviour improves, the attention improves, they get on with it, and you can start praising them for doing something really good. They just need to know. Children need to be listened to and know that you understand. Um, and if they don't, they, will, they, they won't perform to their best. It goes back to what I said at the beginning. It's about potential. It, it's, I find it very frustrating, and I have a bit more freedom to say this now than I have when I was a teacher, that 
so much of the emphasis is on standards, which is correct into the extent that children need to learn to read, write and have the, all these other essential skills for life. But if they aren't getting the basics right, and for what which I mean, they feel that they belong, they feel that they're listened to, they feel safe. These other skills don't, you can't do it the other way around. You can't do academic and then these other things. You've got to do those things first. And we need an education system that does that. Uh, and this platform is a very small step for us. It's NHS funded, so we've got government backing. Um, you know, it, uh, it's a very small step for us to help children to, with their teachers to work through some of these, some of these difficult issues. And 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 I think we know that education is going to change in this kind of broad collaboration in, in many different ways. So just talk a little bit about how that sort of the funding and the collaboration came, let's say, through the NHS and some of the other partners that you're working with. Yeah, so we've got we've got NHS funding, and th- and that partly came about because the charity that we work that I worked in before that ran the physical safety centre that delivers some of these topics in a real environment had very good backing from our local NHS. Um, the NHS have a very uh, keen interest in safeguarding. It's a way of preventing demand, you know, excessive demand on their services from a purely efficiency point of view. Um, so we're funded by the NHS, capital funded by the NHS and a, and a charitable trust in the southwest uh, to build this, this. We're calling it Skill City, this virtual city. It's got countryside as well, but we're calling it Skill City. Um, and to build the first module, which is on safeguarding. Um, we've also got, uh, and, and schools can subscribe to that for a, an annual for an annual subscription and membership. Um, but we've also got funded place. We're really keen to make as much of it as you know easy for schools to use as possible. So we've got funding from councils like Devon Council, from Dorset, local, the local Dorset NHS, Police Service Northern Ireland are funding it for schools in their area as well, um, in, in a particular part of Mid Ulster. Um, but so there's various ways of kind of meeting our core costs. I should emphasise we're a not-for-profit or, the, or any surplus goes back into what we're doing. It's, we're, not, we're not a business in that sense. Um, and um, in, in, in the future, what we're hoping to do is the, the current phase is only for year six, seven, eight, nine because the NHS wanted it around transition. But our next target is to get funding to extend it all the way down to key stage one so that the same sort of scenarios that we're dealing with at transition but at an age-appropriate level are delivered earlier so that the package will become much more comprehensive. And then after that, we the, the platform is really um, adaptable. So we're going to apply it to lots of other life skill topics, as I mentioned at the beginning. The first likely one is active travel uh, and getting uh, enabling children to be, to be able to get to school without using cars because, with, because of the massive benefit to mental, mental health, academic performance, physical health in terms of air pollution and the climate, all that sort of thing. Having a package on there for to support um, that for local schools is going to be really important. We want to cover the climate emergency, which is causing a lot of angst, for, quite understandably, for young people um, at the moment in terms of their mental health. Um, as I mentioned, financial capability, uh, careers. There's a whole lot, a whole lot of skills for life topics that can be used for the platform. And what's also important is it's all done in partnership. So at, on any of these important skills topics we link with the relevant specialist organization whether it's careers or whether it's road safety or whatever the aim is to not to replace any of that but to provide a single environment and then signpost them to the right to the right provider yeah that makes a lot of sense and and i think from a from a school perspective as well isn't it because you know using a platform which you know that everyone is is um used to using and and just even practically in terms mm. of getting in and out of the platforms and that kind of thing to have something which can grow and adapt with you is something 
which I think schools are going to be sort of really happy to be able to <laughs> to, to, to go, yeah. oh, right, I can see where this progression is going, yeah. both in terms of today, but like say into the future and, and, and across the ages. Yeah, and what, one of the, I was involved in an extensive survey of schools um, looking at provision from different partners like the NHS and local authorities on, on some of the, quite a lot of these topics because there were, uh, there were a lot of agencies delivering a lot of programmes and what came back from teachers was there's, there's quite a bit of quality variance. Some of these schemes are brilliant and others are a bit standard professional in the uniform up in front of a school and expect them to be able to work with children because we haven't all got that skill, you know, and you shouldn't, it's not fair to expect it. So there's a bit of variance. But the biggest thing that came through was it takes us too long to find out who does all this. So in one area, if I want um, to teach my children road safety, I mean, we're not covering road safety yet, I should hasten to add, but that's part of the future plan. And I could bring in my local council, my police service, my fire service, possibly the ambulance service and a local charity, all providing the, they're all doing different things. They may be great. They may not be quite as good. But what am I supposed to do? And that takes me several hours to work out. I haven't got that time as a busy teacher. Just tell me who should I be using in my local area and sign postmen so I can get them booked in. So the, the long term, and this is very much sort of, you know, more of our five year plan is when a teacher has used a module on this like safeguarding it then signposts them to the specialist agencies that we're working with to say look actually the NHS provide this intervention and you can get a bit of support here and there's a brilliant program from this other charity that's doing this so that it's all in one all in one place because um I know as a teacher myself that you could take most of the time was spent organizing it not actually delivering it yeah and that's that's the youtube scenario isn't it of kind yeah. of there are brilliant things out there and you can learn everything you want but you have to find it and then you have to trust it and then you yeah. have to understand it yeah. and, and once you find that person that can help you and it's within a, a safe environment and a playlist and well organized then you're more than happy to kind yeah. of jump in with both feet and uh, yeah. that, that makes an awful lot of sense so so tell people where do they go how do they find that more and how do they get involved so if they go on the web to 360skillsforlife.org slash teacher they will find, or just Google 360 Skills for Life, we seem to be coming up quite well now, um, they can find a page of information about Phase 1. Just to clarify, Phase 1 is for Year 6 and then all of Key Stage 3. Um, anyone in Anywhere in the UK, you can access that for between £180 to £500 a year for complete unlimited access. There's no other restriction on it. Um, we've got uh, reductions for smaller schools, the schools signing up in, um, in in blocks like mats or in groups in, in other parts of the UK. Uh, um, we've also got to deal with my concern, the safeguarding software company as well. Um, or if you're in if you're in um, the southwest, get in touch directly because we may still have a few funded places left, and we are talking to other authorities around the UK about the potential for you know funded places to encourage schools to use it the first time. Um, so the main thing is go to the website. We're, we're on Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, get in touch and we'd, we'd, the, the, one of the things we're really keen to do is actually show people around Skill City because once teachers see it and can see how the dilemmas work um, I can almost guarantee they'll want to want to try it out because it's, it's a really fun way of teaching there's no marking there's no assessment as such <laughs> it's all it's just it's just really really valuable conversations with your class Fantastic. Well, and what a great way to finish. Valuable conversations with your class that are going to then support in all those ways that you've mentioned so far. So, well, Bob, thanks very much indeed. And we'll make sure we've got links to all of those things in the show notes Thank as well if, um, if if people want to just click straight through from there. And uh, yeah, keep up the great work and, and hopefully we'll get a chance to chat again soon and, and see how it progresses, like you say, for your sort of one, two, five year plan to, to make this more accessible for more and more ages. Thanks very much for your time. I really enjoyed it.